0: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go in my quest to provide as much NFL pre-draft coverage as possible. Here is another Scoop podcast episode on the NFL Draft on the Vikings. This is Scoop podcast episode and. 13 On this Tuesday afternoon, the 25th of April, the year is 2023. On Scoop Podcast episode 412, lengthy conversation with ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed, plus a seven-minute conversation with NFL draft analyst from ESPN, all-around NFL coverage guy, former Heisman Trophy winner, former Redskins quarterback, former Browns quarterback, RG3, Robert Griffin III. So, those conversations are available on Scoop Podcast, episode 412. Here on episode 413, conversations only, let's begin with former Vikings general manager, Rick Spielman. Rick, it's always great to see you. Let's start with just an overall view of this draft. What positions? Is there depth like when thinking about, you know, the team I cover, the team you used to work with the Vikings, thinking about, you know, some guys they could get maybe that third day, that Saturday undrafted free agency. Where is the strength of this draft?
1: Yeah, I think everybody's going to point right away to the running back class. I know there's B. John Robinson, there's Jameer Gibbs, but I probably looked at 20 running backs. And even when you get into the Saturday, you're going to have guys that can come in and help and be an impact for a team, whether in a role or as a starter, a la like we saw with uh, Isaiah Pacheco last year and what he did with uh, Kansas City. And I think there are guys like that uh, that will be able to be picked by teams uh, on Saturday. I think the corner position is deep. I think there's some edge rushers in this class that as you go down through the draft, you're going to be able to find, and there's no question about the tight end class and the uh, amount of talent in this year's class so I think those are the top positions at least that I felt had a lot of depth that you're going to be able to get impact players uh, throughout the draft
0: well two day three type running backs that I know well Evan Hall of Northwestern he's from Maple Grove and Mo Ibrahim the former Gopher thoughts on those two guys
1: yeah Evan he's uh Evan Hall at Northwestern is a very tough physical runner he showed up and played very well down at the senior bowl. Um, he's a little tight, but he has excellent vision to find a hole and he'll put his foot in the ground and get upfield runs with some authority, uh, has a lot of contact balance to keep moving forward after he takes his initial hit. But the thing that stuck out, uh, to me the most, uh, was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And, uh, so I think, uh, He's going to catch some people's attention, and then he goes to the Combine and runs very well at the Combine faster than people accept, uh, People expected. Ibrahim, I don't know because I don't think he ever worked out. It uh, didn't work out at the Combine. I know he's had some injury history. There's no question about his talent. I remember evaluating him uh, two years ago, and then I went to watch him play versus Ohio State in that opener on that night game. And he was having a day against Ohio State, a very good defense. And unfortunately, and if I recall, he blew his Achilles tendon out on a non-contact, uh, non-contact injury. So he came back and played well this year. I think people will have some questions because there's uh, no really 40 time on him or things that he was not able to do to maybe answer some of the questions that teams will have on him.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, the concern is that position, the running back position, coming back from a torn Achilles. I mean, history just isn't kind. But he did rebound in a decent way the 22 season. But I'm with you. There wasn't much done at Minnesota Pro Day. There wasn't much done, you know, at the Combine. So I just, I don't have the book on Mo, but like such a great kid, Rick, right? No, he's unbelievable. I think there's a role somewhere.
1: I really do. There is, but there's going to be so many running backs. And like I said, there's a lot of running backs that he's competing against. I think, you know, before their injury, he was definitely a draftable prospect. With some of the questions on him and not being able to participate at the pro day and not ever running since that Achilles, I think that'll be in the back of some team's minds. He may get drafted late, but someone may just say, we don't have enough information and sign him as a priority free agent. There's no question about his talent when he's healthy and he's rolling.
0: about an overview of of the Vikings? So they have only five picks total now. Hey, I love the TJ Hawkinson trade, but you don't have a two, only two picks in the top 100. That's why I think, Rick, it screams if they can move back, it takes two to tango. But do you move back from 23 to accumulate extra picks?
1: I think it's going to be uh, what is available for him at 23. And, you know, everybody has talked about uh, corner being a need. Uh, especially with Patrick Peterson signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Cam Dantzler was released, and then I believe he was also signed uh, by the Commanders. So they're going to have some depth issues at corner. They have to have their young guys they drafted last year, Booth, uh, come back and contribute as well. So that may be an area of concern, and you have to look at your draft board. And if we do move back, how far can we move back before – we think we're in a second tier of corners compared to someone that can come in right away and help us. So I'm sure they've had a lot of strategic meetings during this process, trying to understand if they do move back to accumulate more picks, where can they go and still get the players that they want?
0: Well, I mean, one guy that makes schematic sense would be Deontay Banks from Maryland. But I also wonder, Rick, like how slippery of a slope is that with Ryan Flores presumably will have some other head coaching opportunities that may pop up as already interviewed for some jobs. So like he could only be here now it would be a good thing probably, right? If he's in a position to get a head coaching job, but what if he's only here for a year? So is it a slippery slope when you draft a guy based on a schematic scheme, if he's only here for potentially a year?
1: Well, right now, you know, he's your defensive coordinator and you can't predict the future. So you have to do what you have to do to get the best players that fit that scheme. And I think, uh, Deontay Banks is a great fit. And I think that he will be in that area of the draft, you know, a little bit of a Joey Porter Jr. is slipping a little bit, I hear on the outside. Uh, But right there, after you get after Deontay Banks and a guy that is really, I don't know if he's going to be a schematic fit, but had the most incredible ball skills was Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, but he's 166 pounds. So That could be a red flag or a no touch for some teams just because of the weight, although uh, he's a heck of a football player. So I think they'll identify a couple guys there, and if they're too good to pass up, they're just going to have to stay and take a player. You can't worry about coaches being there next year or not. You have to do everything you can uh, to get the best 53 and the best football team ready to go for next year.
0: Rick, when you mentioned that you're hearing Joey Porter Jr. might be slipping, like, now, you have contacts, a lot of us don't, but, like, how hard is it to decipher, okay, this is legit, this isn't legit. Like, Peter King, who, you know this, has myriad sources, he's been doing this forever. He has a mock draft today that has Anthony Richardson slipping to the 20s. Right. I hadn't heard that until I saw that in Peter King's mock, so, like, <laughs> I
1: just don't know, Rick, like, what to believe and what not to believe don't believe anything you're hearing right now. So (laughs) everybody is kind of putting out things and, and seeing what uh, the, let the media uh, go out there and run with all these rumors, but teams know what they're doing and we won't know on the outside, but on the inside teams know exactly what they're doing and what they're trying to get. And we uh, I hosted a uh, radio show with Bruce Murray on XM radio today. And we had Billy Napier on uh, the head coach of the, um, Florida Gators and we talked about Anthony Richardson and the new new, unique traits that he has he said that 10 teams had put him in the first round but there means 22 other teams didn't so is that something that could lead to what you're saying uh, that maybe he is slipping in the draft but that was before the pre-draft process then you go see what he did at the combine you see how natural of a thrower he is he had a great pro day I was at his pro day now the question is not the athletic or physical traits but how long will it take him to become an NFL quarterback how long will it take him to learn the process to get through his reads and does a schematic fit similar to what Baltimore I think did with Lamar Jackson they took their offensive scheme and tailored it to what Lamar does I thought The Chicago Bears did that last year as well. They adjusted their scheme and figured out, boy, if Justin Fields takes off, he's got a pretty good chance of taking it to the house. So I think a lot of the discussion in the draft rooms are going to be, we understand that Anthony Richardson may have the highest ceiling out of anyone in this draft, but he may be a year or two away. But if we're going to take him, are we willing to adjust the scheme to fit what he does best?
0: So of all the pro days you attended, how many total and who are some other impressive players that you saw in person? What's that balancing act of, okay, like this guy is wowing me at this pro day, but ultimately I need to go back and look at the college film. I'll let you answer that, Rick. I'm going to shut a door behind me. So go ahead and answer that. You'll see me back on the screen here in two
2: seconds.
1: Yeah, I had an opportunity to go out and uh, CBS uh, sent me out to uh, all the quarterbacks pro days. And usually, so I was at Ohio State, I was at Alabama, then I went back up to Kentucky to do the Will Levis workout then the following week down to Florida. So not only are you seeing these quarterbacks back to back, but you're also seeing a lot of other pretty good and uh, very talented players at these uh universities that we were at. but I would say you're always going to go back to your tape, you know you got to be careful about getting enamored at the combine and the test numbers you got to be careful about the pro days, uh, but it was great to see the different types of throwing motions in person that maybe you didn't see at the, uh, just watching him on tape, if you didn't get an opportunity to go see him play live in the fall. So that will solidify some things, but you're always going to go back to the tape and you're going to go back and really rely on this pre-draft process. How was he in the interviews? How was he in the meetings? Uh, how was his learnability? Is he able How far away is he? You're getting all the medical tests. You're getting all the uh, intelligence scores, uh, the psychological scores. So you're getting all this information now that you're finalizing your board with. But it always still comes back to the tape.
0: Could you see quarterback here early here in Minnesota? Would that surprise you or can you see it?
1: I don't know. I I know they uh, just from reading on the outside, I have no inside information um, just on you know, Kirk's going to go into the last year of his deal. Um, And my question is, does a Hendon Hooker come into play here? Or what if one of those quarterbacks do fall? Did they come into consideration? That I don't have an answer for. I know Hendon Hooker's name has been gaining a little steam here as of late. There's no question, you know, about his maturity level, his leadership skills, uh, everything he brings off the field, and then what he did at Tennessee. And They're going to criticize him a little bit for the type of offense that he ran. But you still have to go out and execute those throws. You still have to get through your reads and your progressions. We had the opportunity to sit and visit with him on set and interview him. And, you know, we talked to Jalen Hyatt as well, the receiver, speed receiver coming out of Tennessee. And they said that Hendon Hooker, his car was the first one in the lot. Everybody's coming in and his car was already there. Everybody's leaving, and Henan Hooker's cart is still out there. So he reminded me a lot from a personality standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, uh, from all the intangibles. Was uh, when we when we drafted Teddy Bridgewater, just from the intangible standpoint. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think about twenty-five, but like to me, age is—I don't know, Rick. Like age shouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, if you think he can be your quarterback for the next ten to twelve years, what's a Big deal of being twenty-five. I guess the ACL, just to see where the knee is coming off the injury, I guess that would be the concern I'd have. But I think there's a lot to like. I mean, you watch some of those throws he made in Knoxville. My God.
1: Yeah, he's a very talented quarterback. He's been through adversity. He transferred from Virginia Tech, uh, overcame that and became the quarterback he is. I don't know if teams are concerned about the ACL as much as technology and medical procedures have advanced where ACL's are not what they were maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and he's way ahead of schedule on rehab, which you would expect nothing else from him. And then the age, I think everybody was concerned, well, the 25-year-old quarterback, but look how long these guys are playing now, like you stated earlier, but also look at the protections the quarterbacks have and the player safety rules that are in place. So a lot of these quarterbacks, they want to keep them on the field, so that's why I think a lot of them are playing longer. used to figure they were done at 31, 32. Now they're playing in their mid to late 30s. And if you're Tom Brady, you're playing mid to late 40s. Rick, how interesting is is being in like the early 20s? Like I think about your history,
0: right? Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, Laquan Treadwell. But like you've been in that like 20 to 23 range a bunch. What's it like being in that area of the first round?
1: Well, you know, usually if you look at over the years that most teams, if you took an average, have about 17 technically first round talented players on their boards. Uh, whatever reason, some players slip. It may be medical ball, may be character. It may be whatever reason. Who knows the reasons why? But you can still get a very good football player, very quality uh, player that can come in and have an impact on your football team in the 20s
0: so you're in columbus for for ohio state pro day okay you watch cj stroud but what about the receiver jackson smith am i saying the last name correctly
1: Njigba? Njigba. Yeah, now, yeah
0: he visited here but rick i don't know how much stock to put into a visit you know big deal not a big deal but he did visit egan but like i can't imagine he gets all the way to the 20s like i remember him a couple years ago when he was healthy that kid is unbelievable
1: Yeah, he had a great game in the Rose Bowl last year. He played very limited due to hamstring. He was probably a little bit of an afterthought in the first round because he didn't play and there's not a lot of tape on him this year. But then you go see what he does at the Combine combine, and how crisp he runs his routes and how smooth his hands are. And then he just built on that at the Pro Day uh, at Ohio State because he ran 4-5, which is more than fast enough for a receiver. The thing that really stuck out were his shuttle drills and his three cone numbers. Those were elite. Those were the best. And so that tells you that he can get into and out of cuts. He has the burst and ability to separate from coverage. Uh, There's no question about his hands. We talked to a couple of Ohio State guys and we asked them. They had so many great receivers: uh, Alave, uh, so you know, just the guys that have come out over the past couple. Garrett Wilson. And they say that Smith and Jigba was the best receiver out of them all. Now, there was one receiver, I have to say that with a caveat, that was working out, catching balls. He's not eligible for this year's draft, but he looked pretty unique. And you you had to make – go go watch the guys coming out, a guy named Marvin Harrison oh, yeah. Jr. Yeah,
0: some pretty good genes, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he he has a chance to be a pretty good player when he comes out.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just – I'm thinking maybe wide receiver here early, right? Dealing to departs. I mean, whether it's Smith, Najigba, maybe Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, like you know, do those they're, mis- they're going, going to have kind of options a wheelhouse?
1: Yeah, they're going to have options there at receiver, and they're going to have options at corner. So those are the decisions that you have to make as an organization when you're coming out of these meetings. Where can we fill a need now with an impact player where we're picking at one? And where's the most depth at those two positions? So if we don't take that position in round one, we can be able to swing back and potentially get him uh on our next pick in the draft.
0: I mean, is there an impactful receiver too you think that you can get or multiple later on, like KJ Osborne ask? Like can you find a receiver on Saturday this year? I think there's
1: a lot of very good slot receivers. Um, you know, all these little guys now that you're seeing coming out in the um coming out of the college. Offensive systems, you know, you got the Tank Dell Houston, you got Scott, the uh and Tucker, both of them at Cincinnati, uh, that bring speed. You know, Zay Flowers, who is a legit number one pick, maybe a slot, but a lot of these guys also have return ability as well to potentially help you in a return game. So those are all the things that you're discussing. I don't think it is an elite receiver class. I think it is a good receiver class, but I don't see any top ten maybe top 15 receivers coming out.
0: What kind of pass rushing class is this? I'm thinking, you know, whether it's the kid from Georgia Tech, White, maybe the kid is in Murphy from Clemson. Like, you know, could we look at those possibilities as guys in the 20s?
1: I think that you're not going to see Tyree Wilson. I will tell you that. You're probably, you know, it'd be interesting to see what teams think of uh, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa Uh, because he played end, he can play inside. He can weigh 260. He can weigh 300, and where teams are going to anticipate him. And the biggest thing about him was, well, everybody's making a big deal. Well, he never started, but he played a lot of snaps. So you see a lot of good things on tape. And the way he worked out what he ran in the four or fives at his size, he has some unique physical traits to develop. I remember, and we didn't take him to the third round, but Daniel Hunter had didn't have the Gotti stats but he had some unique physical traits. And Andre Patterson, who was the best defensive line coach that I've been around in my career, uh, said, please let me work with this kid because I think I can get him where I need to get him. And he was able to do that. So I think some teams, it'll be interesting to see. If you just watch the tape, you're like, I understand the size, but this guy is going to need some time to develop, which if he goes into a situation Uh, He's probably going to have the opportunity to do that, but he can be a potential uh, pro bowler if he continues to ascend with all the unique traits he has. You just have to decide in an organization, are you putting him inside as a three tech, a five tech? Are you going to keep him outside and line him up as a seven tech or even some nine tech? So you have to decide as an organization where you want him. And then if you are going to move him inside, then how much weight do you want to put on him?
0: How much do you like John Michael Schmitz, the former Gopher Center?
1: My favorite interior player at center. Um, you look at his history, uh, wrestling background, um, how many games he has played, his intelligence, his ability to not only run block effectively, work at the second level, but how patient he is in pass protection and how strong he is. And I think there was some questions Maybe on his pass pro side of it, but when he went down to the senior bowl and did what he did, especially in a one-on-one drills, I think in my opinion, and I like Tipman from Wisconsin as well. I think there's a lot of good centers. If you look at those two will be probably in Whipler from Ohio state, they have three of the top centers probably in this draft coming out of the big 10. But my favorite was, uh, John Michael Schmidt, because I love what PJ Fleck does. He takes all these players that are maybe two, three star guys that you don't think are going to be NFL prospects. And then every year you go into university of Minnesota and they you're looking at five or six draft picks. So I think, think that PJ and his program does an incredible job developing guys like John Michael Schmitz.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think about Terrell Smith, the cornerback. I think about Jordan Howden, the safety, both those guys were at the combine. They certainly have a chance. Smith, for sure will get drafted. I think Howden maybe has a shot to get drafted as well. Howden will get drafted. Yeah. yeah, okay. And then Tyler Newbin, who came back to school, Revin Spanford, a tight end, who came back to school. I think those two kids have a chance to be top three round guys next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's, that's a credit to PJ and the program and, and the system that he has in place over at the University of Minnesota and the great job by his coaching staff and how they take these guys and develop them not only into good college players, but NFL prospects.
0: How many fireworks do you think we'll see on Thursday night? Like, Do you expect it to be crazy? Do you expect Houston to be wheeling and dealing at pick two? Well, that's going to pick three. Yeah,
1: It's not going to be as boring as last year, I can tell you that, especially when quarterbacks are involved. And if Bryce Young is the guy, which I believe is the guy um, that Carolina will take, and I would agree with that 100%. Then all of a sudden, Houston will be there. And if they decide to go defense, then you're going to see a, a mad scramble for these quarterbacks in the top 10. Does Tennessee move up? Uh, when it gets to, let's say, Houston takes Tyree Wilson or they take Will Anderson. Okay. Then Arizona is probably going to be a hot spot where they'll be getting hundreds of calls on teams wanting to move up. And then if you look at Indianapolis at number four and say, CJ Stroud is still there, and that's their best player that they wanted to go get anyway. Do they pull a trade just to move up one spot to make sure they secure the guy that they want? So it should be a lot of fireworks, and a lot of fireworks will happen depending on what Houston does. Are you buying these Trey Lance trade rumors? I don't know. I I mean, there's it's amazing what will get reported. And if you say, "Hey, uh, you guys doing anything with Trey Lance?" I don't know. We haven't made a decision yet. Okay, boom. There's Trey Lance was getting traded, so I don't put a lot of stock into the rumors out there uh just from the experiences that I had. Did you like him pre-draft in 21? Yeah, we spent a lot of time with Trey. Um, you know, the biggest, you know, he had a great pro day, very athletic. The biggest knock was, I think it was coming out of the COVID year. I think they only played one game that year. The track record um at quarterback at a very, very dominant program at North Dakota State, but they were a lot of running. Um, there were some questions on Trey Lance's accuracy down the field. No question about his arm talent. But it tells you what type of talent he was if Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and especially Kyle Shanahan, who's done phenomenal with quarterbacks, look like what he did with Purdy last year coming out of Iowa State. If they were willing to give up three first-round picks or whatever it took to go up and get Trey Lance, you can uh, you know what people felt about him coming out of that draft.
0: I'll leave you with this. Just how much pride do you take in what you accomplished here with some of the recent picks? And just what's it like for these franchises, how how great this week is? But I like I think about Justin Jefferson, Christian Darris. All right. You're not going to bat 1000, right? But like no. Rick, you drafted two guys that are going to be here for a really long time, sign massive contracts, perhaps the best receiver in the game, perhaps the best left tackle in the game.
1: Yeah, no, it's I I get, you know, my satisfaction is is, you know, it was fun to see Minnesota go thirteen and three last year and win the NFC North, even though they had a disappointing exit in the uh playoffs. But that's my family up there. I mean, the ownership is the best in the league, in my opinion, how they treat their employees. I have a lot of close friends in that organization and I'll always be close with. So I'm always going to be a Minnesota Viking uh fan at heart. And because that's basically half my career was spent in Minnesota. And uh, and I, I I'm indebted a lot, not only to the the people in the organization, but how people treated me and my family uh, when we were able to have grow uh, have our kids grow up in one area and, and how they were treated. So it's truly a special place. And I, I wish them nothing but the best.
0: Very classy, Rick. Where can people find you? So, starting on Thursday, where can people find you?
1: Oh, boy. I don't know. I've got like eight different jobs. So, uh, the Twitter, uh, I'm on my Twitter and I usually post. I'm actually going to be doing some. uh, I just signed a deal with Sky Sports. So, I'm going to be doing some work with Sky Sports over in the UK. Uh, I think they were very impressed with my British accent the last time we played over there when we beat the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'll be doing some stuff from there i'll be doing some stuff with cbs hq and then i'm flying from kansas city on friday after my is friday morning uh out to the uh cbs hq uh headquarters in stanford connecticut flying into laguardia then driving up there so i'll spend the rest of my time there got uh the podcast uh with cbs that they also started that has been going uh and keeping me very busy um so did a big 10 network show the other day so i hopefully we're going to do some more with the big 10 network. So, uh, it's been pretty busy, but it's been exciting, enjoying it. And it's amazing how much smarter people think you are sometimes when you're actually not in the seat.
0: <laughs> and it seems like, like you might be busier now, Rick, than ever, right? Like you're oh, on my wife head. said you just went through all those jobs. I mean, when do you have free time?
1: Yeah, that's not the uh, consulting work I'm doing for some colleges around the country as well. But, um, no, my wife says, well, this will be a hobby. So it'll keep you busy, keep you the scratcher itch on, you know, talent evaluation and stuff. And she said this hobby's starting to turn into a pain in the arse. I never see you. I, I didn't see you when you were working in the NFL. I don't see you now. But uh it's been it's been fun and it's exciting. And I surprised I really enjoy doing the media stuff. Really love staring sharing stories of a lot of the experiences I had over the thirty plus years I, I was in the league. And uh and I'll hopefully continue to do it.
0: So still consulting for Alabama, who else?
1: Uh I'll just leave uh leave my uh consulting teams uh at bay right Fair. now.
0: Rick, always great to see you. If it's okay, maybe I'll uh, I'll hit you up after the draft. We can do a little review on on what takes place. Sounds good. Okay, Rick, thank you so much. Thanks, Doogie. Good stuff from Rick. He is omnipresent. He is working for myriad companies. You can see him all over the place. Later this week, interesting stuff on Hendon Hooker, his work ethic. The Vikings have done all sorts of homework on Hendon Hooker, on Anthony Richardson, on Tanner McKee, on Jaron Hall. Go up and down the list. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Will Levis. They've done their homework on the quarterbacks one way or another. I'm not sure at this point I can eliminate any scenario, although the Vikings moving all the way up to pick two or pick three would very, very much Surprise me, but I'm not saying like 0% chance, but did they move up slightly if Richardson starts to fall or if Hooker starts to fall, or do they pull the trigger at 23? They have myriad scenarios that they've gone through, moving back, potentially moving up. Who's on the board at pick 23? Deontay Banks is a cornerback. They've done a ton of work on. Jackson Smith Najigba is a wide receiver. They've done a ton of homework on. The defensive lineman from Pittsburgh. They've done a ton of homework on Jordan Addison, the receiver from USC. So there are just so many different scenarios. But I do think one way or another, before the week is over, the Vikings are going to end up with a quarterback. I can also see the Vikings ending up with a running back. Now, do they draft one? It's a deep running back class. Or do they sign one immediately after the draft? Here is one guy that visited the Vikings. He's from Maple Grove High School and the University of of Northwestern, Big Ten running back. He is Evan Hall. He visited the Packers and Vikings pre draft. The Broncos, I know, also like him a good amount. The Steelers, and I'm sure some other teams. He will get drafted. He will not be a priority free agent signing. He performed very well at both the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. So Evan Hall is going to hear his name called at some point this weekend. Here is my recent conversation with Evan Hall. Evan, how much of a whirlwind has it been? I mean, I imagine like northwestern season ends next thing you know it's the senior bowl it's combine prep it's being in God knows what state getting ready for the combine, <laughs> but then being in Indianapolis right. right then being back in Evanston for pro day like how much nonstop has it been
2: It's been well completely nonstop um from the end of the season till till now really um after pro day you got kind of like a little bit of a uh you know a breath of fresh air a little bit being able to you know take a little bit of a physical break but that mental uh break doesn't really come uh until much later because you know you still got visits still got zoom calls um you know where they're testing you on your you know your football iq and things like that and so you still got to be locked in like so it's like it's there's ebbs and flows of the whole process for sure there are up up times and down times um and so you just got to find those little pockets of, of time where you can just kind of relax and and get your mind off things uh and I've, i feel like i've been able to do that through this whole process but definitely looking from outside view it's like yeah it's looks busy 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 the whole way through
0: is it fun though now that the countdown's on it's no longer months i mean it's a couple weeks but really to me it's like days like days
2: until you know where you're going to land absolutely it's it's super exciting and i'm super grateful just to be a part of this process um, <clears throat> something I've been dreaming about um, since, you know, I put first put on a football helmet. And so um, in any type of situation I'm in, I approach it with gratitude uh, more than anything. Uh, just thanking God that, that I'm here and I'm doing this. Take me through that process, that journey. When's the first time you did put on a football helmet? Uh, about third grade uh, is when I started football. Um, and I just fell in love with it. It's funny, though. I, I didn't start playing football like as my first sport. It was actually hockey um you know being a minnesota kid and then um baseball and soccer um just didn't didn't really click with those and so um you know i remember like playing madden with my brothers and then watching football games and i was like yeah i want to do that um and so i uh, started playing football they uh the coaches saw that i had some speed to me and then stuck me a running back and i've been there ever since
0: so i mean it really though took off is it safe to say when you got to maple grove high school
2: for sure, I would say it was a slower start. Um, you know, I didn't play varsity until my junior year, um, which might be considered um, late for for some people, especially some maybe some of the guys that that um, that are, I guess, on the same level as me athletically. And you know, playing you know Division one in college, they might have been starters as freshmen or sophomores or things like that. But um, I definitely had to earn my time um, to get that spot, and so. But it all kind of worked out in the end because those lessons that I learned as a freshman, as a sophomore, helped propel me into the year that I had as a junior and then <clears throat> the year I had as a senior to eventually then seal, uh, you know, an offer from Northwestern.
0: Did you always have the speed, though? I mean, that's one thing that really can't be taught. Like, even as a third grader, when you first put on that helmet, were you always, like, one of the fastest kids?
2: I would say yes, yeah. Um... But it's something that I have continued to develop. I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm here today, you know what I mean, is, is is to continue to hone that skill that I have and sharpen that edge.
0: I mean, your body has been completely transformed. I think about the last time we connected in person. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was when yeah. you committed to Northwestern. Yeah, so it was yeah. when you were at Maple Grove High School. Definitely. Like, how much has your body transformed from that day until
2: now? Oh, so much. Like, well, I've gotten more facial hair. That's the one thing for sure. Um, but, like... So at that time I was maybe 185, maybe 190 at most. I'm you know like 213 now, and I'm feeling good at this weight. Um, I feel you know the fastest I've ever been. So it's been a it's been a big jump from there. Um, you know, I'm climbing up to 200 and then 205, then being a lean 213 is where I really want to be and play at.
0: Does the cliche hold true that time flies. Does it feel like we just had that chat about you committing to Northwestern?
2: Uh no, that feels like a while ago still. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's like the weeks go fast, but the days are long. If that makes sense, um, and that's how I felt through this whole process. Like honestly, like being where I am right now, it's felt like it's gone like this for sure. Especially after like after pro day until now, it's felt like it's gone really quick.
0: What is your number one selling point to NFL teams? So, as you're doing these. Zoom interviews, presumably. Maybe you've taken some visits or have some visits coming up. As they're having dialogue with you, what's your selling point to these teams?
2: Uh, well, the one thing I show right away is my football IQ. The um, one thing they want to see from, from a player like me is um, that I know my X's and O's. I know what I'm looking at. I know pass protection. I know all those things, and I can pick up things quickly. And so that would be, the, uh, first and foremost, what, what teams see out of me is just, you know, I'm a smart, diligent kid. Um, and then on top of that, just the work ethic. Um, and I think that's been what's been separating me um, from the get-go. Um, somebody that's willing to compete, uh, and, you know, I, th- I feel like I showed that at the combine, you know what I mean, taking the ball to the end zone every time. And so um, that would, that would, those would be the big things, and then just versatility as a player. Um, not only the willingness to do everything that, you know, my coach asked me to do, but my ability to catch the ball out of backfield, run routes on the perimeter, um, and do all those things.
0: I would think special teams as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean,
0: you have to embrace that side of things, right? I mean... Oh, for sure. You know, unless you're a first-round pick, and I don't think, you know, with all due respect, I don't think you're going in the first round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be able to I'm embrace the special team side of things, right? Definitely. That's how you
2: earn your spot, for sure.
0: So, like, what special teams flexibility do you have?
2: Uh, well, I've done... I At Northwestern, there was a point where I did everything. And like I said, it was, so was kind of like... So, I remember I talked about in high school how that freshman and sophomore year really built into... Having that junior year, I would say the same thing that uh, it was the same process at Northwestern. So freshman and sophomore year, especially that sophomore year when it was like just trying to, you know, get in where I fit in and um, and do the special teams. And and I was on every single unit that really sharpened my mindset, honing my mentality for my junior year to have the year that I had. So um, anything, honestly, um, I'm willing and able to do. Uh, and I've continued to have Zoom meetings with my agent um, about those types of things. You know, Zach Zenner, he did a lot of special teams, too, uh, with the Detroit Lions. And so we, we we have continuous meetings about that. We actually just had one about punt team uh, not that long ago.
0: You know what, expand on that relationship because I think about his history as an NFL running back and yeah. special teams and now the journey you're about to begin in the NFL, like, that has to be a cool bond.
2: Absolutely, yeah, because, um, I mean, we didn't meet when I was a player at Northwestern and he was – an agent. It was actually before that when he um, was in the NFL, just came from SDSU and I was getting recruited by SDSU. And so um, he was some person. He was a, a player that I wanted to talk to uh, just for why he chose SDSU, you know, coming from Minnesota um, and just like what what drew him there. Um, and that's why SDSU was really on my short list for a while. Uh, was because of the type of players that they they produced uh, like Zach. So we had kind of kept that relationship going for a while. Um, And then he hit me back up uh, towards my junior year uh, at Northwestern. And he's like, hey, I'm an agent now. (laughs) Um, This is what I can do. Um, This is how I'm unique because I have this expertise. Um, I've played in the NFL, just came out of the NFL. Like, I know what it's like to be in minicamp, training camp. um, And I just know the ins and outs. And, you know, I'm a football guy. I'm in the agency of football guys. um, And um, that's really what drew me to him as an agent is because these are football guys. They know what they're talking about. They know the X's and O's um, and they can talk football with anybody with, from scouts to GM's um, and they're well-connected. With a few more. When did the
0: dream of being an NFL player, when did it hit you, Evan, that, okay, like this can be a legit reality, like no doubt in my mind, I will play in the NFL. Was it senior year at Maple Grove? Was it sophomore year in Evanston, junior year in Evanston? Like when did it hit you? Okay, I absolutely can play in the NFL.
2: I would say it was much earlier than that. Um, it's been a conviction I've had for as long as I can remember, honestly. Uh, I would say maybe even in middle school. Um, but it was like that was the end goal, but I was focused on what's in front of me right now. So whether it's in eighth grade, I'm thinking about, all right, how can I get to high school and start playing varsity? And then as soon as I'm playing varsity, okay, how can I get that Division One scholarship, play for FBS program, um and, and do my thing there, and then once I do that, okay, now I am playing for you know, Division One program. How can I be the starter there? Okay, and then it just keeps building and to keep. So, I am just continuing to knock down goals I set in front of me. But the ultimate goal I feel like has always been there for as long as I can remember.
0: How proud are you of your Northwestern legacy? I mean, I remember in the moment there was some frustration that the hometown Gophers just weren't in on you, but I am thinking the way everything played out the last few years. Like, I imagine it couldn't have played out any
2: better. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I believe everything happens for a reason. I, I believe God put me there for a reason. Um, and I know wholeheartedly that's that's where I was supposed to be. Um, having the coach that I had in Louis Ianni, um, being being under his coaching, under his mentorship, um, that was the best thing that, that really ever happened to me um, that could have happened to me in my college career. And so... Um, it's, it's what made me who I am today, and so I'm very thankful for that.
0: Can you envision the moment draft weekend when the announcement is made with the so-and-so pick, the Denver Broncos, the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. you name the team, the Green Bay Packers, select from Northwestern, running back Evan Hall. Have you thought about what that moment will be like?
2: A little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, the biggest thing is I just I just um, visualize that with my family, and uh, being able to share that moment with them is, is really the biggest part because – that's just as much as exciting for them as it is for me. And so it's really a full-circle moment um, in that, and I'll be looking forward to enjoying it and then then looking forward uh, in creating that next goal for myself. Do you have a
0: sense of what teams
2: really, really like you? I really don't. Uh, it's tough to say because, like, um, sometimes things can be, like, real conversational, and you think, oh, we're really hitting it off, like not even talking football for real. And sometimes it can be straight, testing you hard like do you know this you know this is this mike sam will okay if you know if the safety's down here what are you thinking here in pass protection all that type of stuff and uh so it with different personalities of person the people that can be interviewing you it can be kind of tough to read um so you know i just approach it the same every time with a big smile on my face with with great energy and um whatever happens in in april in the late late april happens
0: you buy the comparison? I've seen some comps with Austin Eckler, the Chargers' stud running
2: back. Do you buy that comp? I could see that. I could see that for sure, especially in the way he runs uh, and the way he can break tackles. Um, I kind of see how how people might get those comparisons for sure. And I, honestly, it's a great comparison because um, of the way he plays with the physicality he plays with, and um, you know he's been doing this for a while now, and he obviously does it at, at a high level. And so, um, I mean, that's what I envision for myself
0: how will you celebrate draft weekend we'll just be here in town with your family
2: it will be yeah so I'll just be it'll be a small thing um with my family and then um you know uh once I know where I'm going uh, I'll probably open it up to anybody else who wants to kind of celebrate with me
0: what else is important to know as we tell your pre-draft journey what else is important for us to know
2: um man I just keep God at the forefront um through everything uh I mean, he's the reason why I'm here. Um, And so, I mean, I'm just so thankful to him. So all praise to him. What's Game Face meant to you? I mean, you did your
0: pre-combine training with DaVinci and you guys have a relationship going back a while. Like, what does that relationship mean to you?
2: Well, I love that. Um, He's a big reason why I'm here um, in this position. Um, I mean, we started out my sophomore year of high school before I was even playing, you know, varsity at Maple Grove. He kind of took me under his wing, and, and then we hit it off from the, from the jump because kind of like how my position coach at Northwestern had these big goals for me and he saw the potential in me, it was the same thing with Coast of Entry. And so um, that's where our story started, and it you know, it's, it certainly hasn't finished. Uh, we're, we're continuing to go strong. And so when I found out that he had combine training, I knew that's where I wanted to go because I have a coach that's seen me from – before i had any type of success in football um he knows who i am as a person as a player what i care about and that relationship i feel like goes just a little bit deeper than um than most you know coaches and 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 players have um so i was really thankful to just have him a part of this process because i feel like i got more out of it just because of the relationship we have
0: Evan was also a sensational track star at Maple Grove. So great football player. Only played varsity, as he noted. 11th grade year, 12th grade year, also a track star. He's always had that elite speed. Near Maple Grove High School is Osseo High School. From Osseo High School and North Dakota State, he started 50-something games, heck, I think the number is like 50. You would think I would know top of my head. I don't. But Nash Jensen played five years for the Bison. Started a lot of games at left guard. Had the extra year with the COVID year. So he played five seasons. So he's got like 70-ish games of playing experience. Something like, I don't know, 50-something starts at left guard. But he's got position flexibility. But left guard was the main position he played and North Dakota State. Here is my recent conversation with NFL draft prospect from Osseo High School, Nash Jensen. Nash, now that the countdown is days, it's no longer months, I mean, kind of weeks, but really days, like in days you'll know what your future holds, what's the excitement level?
3: Uh, It's huge, I mean, it's always been a dream of mine to get to this point where I'm at, but just got to keep knowing so the guards so don't keep working no nothing's really given especially at this point we got to go earn it
0: what's your selling point to nfl teams
3: um I'm, I'm an athletic freak um when i'm out there i'm going to get out and pull but i'm also going to be able to be a mauler for you i'm going to be the hardest working guy out there whether it's on the field in the meeting room or something like that um i learn really fast i love to be coached um And I'm just going to go out and do whatever job I have to do in order to win games. You have some position flexibility as well? Yep. Yeah, I've been working a lot at center um, just because I only played guard mostly at NDSU, uh, but been working a lot at center and right guard, stuff like that. So,
0: So, like, this whole process, has it just been nuts? Like, I would think, you know, by the time your season ends there in Fargo, like, just a whirlwind the last couple months?
3: Yeah, no, like, at – it was pretty early in my process that I chose my age, and they made it very clear to me that from the point fall camp starts until the end of the next NFL season, you're not going to have any time off, um, especially in Fargo where we plan to be in Frisco, Texas by January 9th or 8th. Um, there's no really any off time, but uh, it's a process that I've learned to grow into, um, especially in the past six years where I pretty much did it every year, but it's very fun and I love it.
0: So Osseo High School, so Osseo High School, to Fargo and now to the NFL like was it like a dream of years at Osceola High School like when did the dream become reality okay like I have this dream I want to play in the NFL but like I can really make this happen
3: yeah um like you said it's always been a dream but never really knew that it could turn out to be a reality um that really kind of hit me not this past season but the season before um then during the spring COVID season i had a horrible season like the worst football i've ever played then the next year was probably some of the best football i've ever played um no i was questioning whether i wanted to go back and play football uh after covid um and then again once my dad passed away this past summer um but it's it's all it's been an amazing process for me and just to be where i'm at now it's it's very huge for me how proud would your dad be right now i hope he'd be very proud um he's the reason i am where i am today um along with all my coaches and DaVentry here um but i hope he'd be very proud what will that moment be like draft weekend when you celebrate whatever
0: takes place you know you're going to get a phone call at some point right you're going to celebrate with family and friends
3: but what will that moment be like when you're thinking about your dad yeah i mean it'll just be can it's it's always been the dream you know um And he knew, once he got diagnosed with cancer, I was very close to um, being done with football. But he was kind of the final um, guy that, the last person that I talked to, um, I talked to countless number of friends and family. Um, And he knew that where I had to be at, which was Fargo, North Dakota, and go win championships, go uh, make the dream a reality. Um, And now that we're to this point, um, it's a blessing. I'd like
0: to see you end up with the Vikings, so you're visiting the Vikings this week, the hometown Vikings?
3: Oh, I'm sure he would love it. Um, He's always been a big purple and and yellow fan, so I'm sure he would love it. But in
0: your mind, is it, hey, all I need is one opportunity, whether it's the Vikings or you name the franchise, like it doesn't matter where you end up?
3: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there are some places that my fiancé would definitely rather me get drafted to or get picked up by, Um, you know, specifically the warmer states, you know what I mean? But... Yeah, anywhere I go, just give me a chance, and I'm going to make the absolute best of it. you have
0: a sense whether you will be drafted or not, and not that it matters. I mean, what's half the league undrafted free agents, right? I mean, I think about the last handful full years covering Adam Thielen, right? Undrafted free agent on another monster contract now in Carolina. So it truly doesn't matter. But do you have a sense of how that draft weekend will play out?
3: Um, I mean, I've heard some things like late round uh priority free agent undrafted free agent stuff like that but like you said it's not something that i'm worried about it's not something that i'm asking teams like where they have me graded and stuff like that um just like i said before it's wherever i get my chances where i'm going to make the most of it what else is important to know nash as we hear about your pre-draft journey um i mean it's been very fun i mean going from fargo to texas to boca raton florida within a matter of a week, maybe. Um, It was a lot of moving around. I mean, it's been a very long and strenuous process. Um, Fought through some little injuries, even though I was deemed the Iron Man of NDSU football, playing 70 football games for them. Um, But it's been an amazing journey, and I can't thank anybody enough, everybody that's been a part of it.
0: Nash also visited the Vikings earlier this month. We wish him, his family, all the best. I can only imagine how emotional this weekend will be after the passing of his dad within the last year from cancer. All right, we are done here on the Conversations Only episode of the Scoop Podcast, episode 413. Enjoy the festivities. They begin on Thursday night. Stay safe. Stay sane.